This is Homebuyer Talk Radio with your host, Mark Evinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Homebuyer Talk Radio. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with a roofing expert about some of the basic roof maintenance tips that homeowners can benefit from. And we're going to talk about a service every homeowner needs. It's trash can cleaning. This is something that I'm, it may sound a little bit geeky, but I'm, I'm excited about it because it's something I don't have to do with my trash cans. You know what right, I mean? Right. Absolutely. Because it's disgusting. It is disgusting. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that. I've got a guy who actually builds the stuff that people use to clean the stuff. So anyway, we're going to have a good <laughs> show on that. And should you be looking to buy a home now? To get ahead of the inevitable buying frenzy that's going to happen when the interest rates drop, right? we're going to talk about that. So in studio with us today is Erica Slayton, home lending expert with Wallach & Volk. Erica, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. You betcha. Also in studio with us today is first-time guest Brandon Fowler, the owner of the Trash Can Cleaners. Brandon, welcome yep. to the show. Thanks, Mark. And joining us from a job site somewhere in Texas is Kerry Copeland, the president of Patriots Roofing. Kerry, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be back. See, I have to wear my headphones on the show. For this. Nice. I never do that, right? Never. We're not trying to look like Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast here, but I actually have to wear them today. All right, a quick reminder for our listeners that you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at homebuyertalkradio.com. Also on our website is a list of recurring guest businesses on the show, which helps a lot if you don't catch their information when you're listening or watching the show and you want to go to the website and check it out and get all the info that you need so you can connect with them there. This show reaches thousands of listeners each month on KTSA here in the greater San Antonio area, and really like over 40,000 people through social media. So we're really growing fast, and, and I enjoy and appreciate all of our listeners and viewers out there. If you run a small business that services homeowners in the greater San Antonio area and you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit homebuyertalkradio.com and click on the link to apply. All right, so Carrie, can you hear me okay out there? I hear you great. And so can you tell me where you're at, or is it a secret? Uh, no, no, I'm in uh, East Texas. I'm in Palestine, Texas. We're doing a, uh, a GAF Master Elite uh, roof replacement. Awesome. Nice. So uh, you actually walk the walk, then. You don't just sit behind a desk somewhere. <laughs> I try to. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, so uh, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, really roof maintenance tips for homeowners. And there's some things that we can do to help the health of our roof, the longevity of our roof, but also so we kind of know if there's going to be a problem with our roof that maybe we need to call a professional out to take a look at. So let's talk a little bit about ex- inspecting shingles each season. So what are we looking for if we're checking out our shingles on our house? Uh, well, a lot of times you're looking for granule loss. Now, over time, over over years, uh, a granule loss is just going to be natural. Uh, it's going to come off from the adhesive that's holding it onto the uh, asphalt shingle. But uh, if there's high winds, things like that, then you want to look to make sure that no shingles have blown up and cracked. If there's a obvious crease in that shingle, then the high wind is damaging that shingle, and it's going to it, it's going to fail eventually yeah it's going to keep uh, flapping up right every time the wind comes yes, and then eventually it'll break off yes sir yes sir yeah it will it will have ceased adhering and it will no longer uh it's just laying up there and, and it's it's bound to come off sooner or later okay and well let's talk a little bit about the granular surface loss so people if folks don't understand the granular part is the um is is, is what on the the shingle it protects the asphalt so your your shingle is asphalt uh, that is the uh, the main component, the most important component in that shingle. The granules are to protect the asphalt from the sun, right? Uh, to to slow down deterioration, and then it's in it's there for color. That's how you come up with the different color schemes on the on the different brands of shingles. Right, and the asphalt is really that's the water shedding component, correct? 
Yes, sir. That okay. is correct. It's it's amazing that I've learned all this stuff since I've been doing say, this. <laughs> I'm getting really good. well. I'm getting good at this. I'm just telling you. So uh, okay, so when you have granular loss, then now the asphalt is exposed and it can be weathered. It can be you know evaporated, which I didn't even know. Right? Am I on the right track, there, Kerry? Yes, sir. You are. It's yes, absolutely. And then when you uh, end yeah. up at the fiber, so the, is, what's the material underneath the asphalt? Is that fiberglass? It is. Okay. Yes, it's fiberglass. All right, and that's not a waterproofing component, correct? No, sir. No, sir. That is a binding component. Yeah. So that's where it's like if you're if you lose the granules and you're losing asphalt, you're going to be leaking pretty soon. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Eventually. And, and with all of these, every problem that you're ever going to have with uh, granule loss other than age uh, is going to be somehow related to moisture. Moisture is the number one uh, thing that adversely affects the integrity of a root. Okay. And so there's there's a lot of different ways uh, for that moisture to occur, but yes, sir, that's correct. All right, awesome. Okay, and then uh, so delamination versus hail damage. So like if people are seeing that their asphalt uh, or that the granules are starting to wear off and they're seeing shiny spots or whatever on their roof, um, that could mean yes, a couple sir. of different things, right? It could mean that maybe there's hail damage, which that's, that's an important to know the difference between hail damage and just wear and tear, correct? Because insurance is different. Oh, certainly. Yes, and the delamination, uh, that's going to be more of a, a, a spread out type incident. Uh, the main two things that you have to worry about with hail to know whether or not you have hail damage or it will have blistering, which, uh, you know, the blistering will come up again. That's moisture attempting to escape and it's found no other way. So it's trying to come up and work its, it will work its way up through there. And then that will uh, sometimes give the appearance of a hail strike. So, yes, you have to. Right. You know, hail strike is going to have an indention in it where a blister is is not going to. Yeah, and so you don't want to file try and file an insurance claim if it's if you're thinking it's hail damage when it's not hail damage, correct? Yes, uh, you just want to make sure that whenever you have a a contractor or a roofing contractor come by, just make sure they're reputable. A lot of them, a lot of uh, contractors will try to get a homeowner to file a claim because they're just rolling the dice to right. see them want to stick and. You know, just trying to get an adjuster out. So they just need to make sure they're they're choosing the company carefully uh, that comes about inspect because any roofing contractor is going to know the difference between blistering and hail damage. Right, and if you file a claim and it's not it's not going to be covered, it's still counted as you filed a claim, right? Sure, sure, but they, <laughs> generally they won't because a, a homeowner doesn't know. So if, if a homeowner is relying on a contractor to come by and tell them, then they get. Uh, they get false information or they're led down a path uh, that wasn't correct. Uh, hopefully the insurance carrier will not hold that against the, the policy holder. Yeah, hopefully. All right. So let's talk about uh, moss, lichen and algae that can uh, also end up on the shingles. Why is that a problem? Uh, same thing right back to moisture that will trap in the moisture. Uh, and and if, it, if it stays there, then again, that moisture has got to escape from somewhere, and once it's underneath that moss and that algae, it's, it's got to move to try to escape. And eventually it's going to either escape downward into the attic or somehow upward uh, up through the uh, shingle, like in a blistering situation. All right, and how would you remove, uh, let's start with moss, how would you remove that if, if a homeowner sees it up there, which typically if your home is shaded a lot, right, that's what's going to draw the moss in a little bit, um, yes, which sir. I don't know how big of a problem. Is that a problem here in Texas or no? It, no, not really. Yeah. You have to have a very high humidity. Uh, you have to have a, a very humid area 
Richard Gummer problem. So we don't see a whole lot of that. Uh, but yes, you don't ever want to do anything abrasive to take any of that off. Uh, if it's if you can't just hose something off, but any algae or fungus things like that, there are plenty of products out there that are just you, it's spray on application. Generally, it takes a couple of applications at least, uh, and what it'll do is it'll, the first application will kill the top layer, and then. Once that's done, that second application will allow it to, to truly get down in there. And generally, you have to do that if that is a problem on your roof. Uh, you need to do that, at least inspect and probably uh, uh, address it once every three years or so. Okay, and you probably wouldn't want to power wash it, am I right? No, absolutely not. Not if you not not if you want to keep the granules. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what about a metal roof? I mean, you could probably power wash it, but that seems like that'd be really slippery. Yeah. I don't want to fall off that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it would. But then again, it's, you know, it may or may not, depending on, on exactly what type of metal it is, may or may not be a problem, but it looks ugly. So, yes, I, my recommendation would be to always just use the, uh, the spray on. Uh, getting up there with a power washer and trying to power wash the metal roof, getting it nice and wet, and trying to maneuver around it is, is a good recipe for disaster. All right. So what about um, removing lichen? How, how would somebody do that if lichen is forming on their shingles? Can they even do that? Or is that another spray-on treatment? Uh, yeah, spray-on treatment. My recommendation is always the, the spray-on treatment. Because okay. the only other way is to use some sort of abrasive method. Right. Uh, so so the spray-on treatment is the best treatment. It's specifically designed to, uh, to kill that and be able to disperse it. Okay, cool. All right, Carrie. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, our website is patriotsroofing.net. That's patriots with an S, roofing.net. And my phone number is area code 210-244-3165. All right, Carrie. Thanks a lot for uh, calling in today and uh, have a great project. And we'll see you next time in studio. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. Y'all take y'all. Have a great day. All right, buddy. You too. Awesome. Well, that was good information, right? Definitely. Because I had no idea, right? If you got lichen, first of all, I didn't know what lichen was before either. maybe like a year ago. And then I got introduced to it and I'm like, well, so what do you do if it forms on the shingles? So anyway, just kind of cool information for our homeowners out there. So if mm-hmm. you've got questions on that, if you see lichen or moss on your on your roof, then reach out to Patriots Roofing. Give them a call. All right. So next up on the show is Erica Slayton, a home landing, a home landing expert and regular contributor on the show. So Erica, yes, sir. should people be looking to buy a home now or should they be waiting? Well, if you would like to wait and pay more for your house, you certainly could wait. Yep. <laughs> no, I mean, prices so are increasing. So you think it's going to cost more? Prices are increasing. We yeah. saw a 1.5% increase in May, just May. And in a normal market in Texas, San Antonio, just kind of across the nation, it's 3 to 5% per year. So remember that last year we were in the 20% range, which was obviously an anomaly. It's not normal for our market to see that kind of growth. We're still seeing growth in prices. We're just not seeing what it was no like spikes. in 2021. And Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness, because we needed that to settle down. But, I mean, we have a saying right now in the industry, which is marry the house, date the rate. And okay. that's because you're you're locking in today's price of a house now. And then, yeah, your rate's going to be a little bit higher than, say, what it was a year ago or six months ago. But that's really a temporary thing. The house price is what it is today. And so you're going to lock that in. And then a year from now, if rates start to go down, which is what we're all predicting, then you get to refinance and save and yourself how, some money. How much of a drop before you recommend they Great refinance? Question. 1% minimum. Okay. Minimum. I, I've seen 
ads even coming to my house, right? In my mailbox saying, oh, I'll save you a quarter on the rate. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That is such a waste of your money to spend, uh, you know, because it costs money to refinance. Yes, it's rolled into your loan. Yes, you can pay cash for the closing cost if you want to, but it still costs money, regardless if it's rolled in or not. Yeah, when you roll it into loan, of course, you're paying interest on that sure, as well. Sure, exactly. So, so you want a 1% drop in interest rates. So minimum. if you're buying a house right now, you're going to see another time in the future, and really in the not-so-distant future, that you're going to be able to refinance. And I'm happy to do this for you, too. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> okay, so, um, so home prices, they are continuing to rise, but they're slower. They are right? slower. Mm-hmm. Interest rates are still creeping up, or are they coming down? Well, I mean, last week we saw a smidgen of an improvement. This week we're kind of seeing it back to where we were a week and a, week and a half ago or so. I mean, we're still talking about rates in the fives and sixes. It just depends, again, on your loan type, sure. down payment credit scores. There's like 40 different factors that affect your interest rate. Now, remember, I love, love, love the Texas Veteran Land Board Program because it's still in the fours. So that's the only loan program right now where you can actually get a mortgage rate that's in the fours that doesn't cost you a fortune to get there. Okay, and tell me about this Texas, what is it again? Texas Veteran Land Board. So if you're a veteran, active duty, retired, or you were military and you you served your two, four, six years or whatever, you um, most likely will have sufficient time in the, the service where you can get a subsidized interest rate from the state of Texas. So it's still a VA loan or a conventional loan or an FHA loan, for example, but it's coupled with the Texas Veteran Land Board. So it's like sandwiched together. So it's still a VA loan, but it's also the added on benefit of a much reduced interest rate that the Texas Veteran Land Board supplies. How much of a reduction are we talking about? Well, right now, if you're a disabled uh, vet of 30% rating or higher, your interest rate's 4.35. If you're not, and you either don't have a 30% rating or higher, or you don't have a disability at all, it's 4.85, which is still lower than, like I said, it's what half you can a percent. Get. It's significant. That's it's, half a percent. Of yeah, it's right. half a percent That's savings a, if you have that rating. Right. So it's a really, really good loan program. But, you know, the thing about it is, like I said, even if you're not in the Texas veteran or veteran category, you're you're still going to be able to buy a house. Yes, you're going to, like I said, marry that price for that house. And then down the line, you'll get the opportunity to refinance in the future. Okay. So. All right. So uh, seller's market. Yeah. Tell me about, is it a seller's market or not? Not as much as it was. I mean, certainly we're seeing, you know, a couple months ago, we saw where the buyer was having to pay the title policy uh, the buyer was having to pay for home warranty. The buyer was having to pay for survey, which normally these things were always a seller's expense. We're starting to see a little bit of a shift now. We're still seeing a competitive market, meaning multiple offers. I'm still having clients that are losing out to other people, but not as much as we were. And that's really important because so many people were frustrated by, I've got 15 offers that I'm competing against. Well, now you may have five. You may have three. So I know that still sounds like I'm still competing. Yes, you are, but you're not competing against the masses. And then second... You're not having to pay as much of the seller's cost as a buyer now as you did, say, two months ago. So it's a softening, as that's what we like to call it. So we're decelerating the price increases, thank goodness, and then we're softening seeing that the seller is not forcing the buyer, so to speak, to pay their own closing costs sometimes. So I'm starting to see now title policy, which is really expensive, by the way. So let me get this straight. There was situations where sellers were requiring the buyers yeah. to pay yes. their closing costs. Yes, What's absolutely. that about? Because it's it was such a competitive market that if you have 15 people writing offers on your house, you're like, well, I'm going to take where I don't have to pay anything. So the buyers can pay it. And then whoever has the best net to me as the seller, that's the, the transaction that I'm going to accept. And of course, a lot of times it was cash. But we're not seeing that as much either. You know, we're, we're again, we're not as seeing as many people out there looking to buy right now. Because there's a lot of fear when it comes to recession talk, you know, and, and like I've said on the radio before, a recession is just a reset. 
There's nothing to fear. This is a natural part of any economy. Every economy has to reset at some point. So how much money are we talking about on these closing costs, say on a $300,000 house? So your average closing cost is between 3 and 4%, okay? But then if you add another percent for the title policy, which is what it averages, it's a little under 1%, but now you're talking 4 to 5%. So it can be significant. That's like why- 15 grand? Well, depending costs. on, yeah, depending on your purchase price. Got to really want that house. Taxes and insurance are included in that number too, by the way. Yeah. Got to pay those taxes and insurance. <laughs> so, and, and now what we're talking about is San Antonio, or are we talking about Texas? Are we talking about the nation? Texas, as far as those closing costs. So Texas is considered to be what's called a high cost state. And that's because our title policy premiums are expensive. Like right now, the appraisals are ex- a little more expensive. Um, surveys are more expensive. I mean, unfortunately, just like at the pump and at the grocery store and everything that you're purchasing right now, things are just a little bit more expensive, depending on what you're talking about. It's the same exact thing on the closing costs. Attorneys haven't changed their fees yet, knock on wood, <laughs> but they haven't changed their fees for the doc prep part. But yeah, we're seeing some price increases and we have been for a couple of years. So it doesn't surprise me um, now that we're seeing the softening that the seller is now willing to pay more for the buyer and or really for themselves and not forcing the buyer to have to pay them which is why i say like this is the time where you're no longer in such a super duper competitive market where you don't have as many people you're competing against one and then two you're going to have a little bit more pull i'm not going to say it's a buyer's market yet because it's not right but we're we're hopefully getting to that point now my fear is is that once the interest rates drop back down say into next year which everybody is thinking into the fours then you're going to have this frenzy of people that are going to be like, oh my gosh, I can save $150 a month now buy a house. And then you're going to have a more competitive pressure again to go buy a house. So That's why you're everything. saying, yeah, now might, like you said, marry the house, yeah, date the right. rate, and then change it when it drops. Exactly. Because the price of the house, if you buy it now, is set in. If you wait a year and it's more expensive, then shame on you, right? Because you just paid more. And but your interest rate can change because you can just refinance it. Well, not just more expensive, but more competitive. So more you competitive may just too. lose out on a smarter bid. True. And right. What a bummer right. that would be. It would be house. right. And you know, it's funny because I have people right now they're looking at like land, you know, six acres, ten acres, and they're like, this same house would have cost me three hundred thousand dollars a year ago, but now it's six hundred thousand with the land, or sometimes more, nine hundred thousand a million depending on the acreage. So. Well, I guess home buyers were all gambling, and we don't realize it because when we yeah. go to buy, it's like, well. What is it then? What's well, the rate? What's the cost? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is too, though, is you have to remember, if you need a place to live, you need a place to live. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for somebody else's mortgage or your own. If you're renting, you're paying somebody else's. Yeah. I hate renting. All right, Erica, if folks <laughs> want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? So you're going to go to my website, letstalkmortgage.pro, or my phone number to call me is 210-219-7608. Or of course, you can reach me on social media, Let's Talk Mortgage Pro on Instagram, Let's Talk Mortgage on Facebook. And YouTube. And YouTube. You got it. All right, thanks for coming in. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, so next up on the show is uh, Brandon Fowler. Now, I, I found him. Actually, my wife found his business because uh, she's pretty meticulous about our trash can. She wants to keep them clean. <laughs> I, I mean, it's okay if it smells a little bit to me, you know, but at some point, the garage starts stinking a lot. Oh, yeah. right. So it's we so don't want <laughs> to do that. So anyway, so she found you, uh, Brandon, online, and I, I think that's an amazing. But let me do a, a proper intro. So your name's Brandon Fowler. You're, you're one of the owners of the Trash Can Cleaners. Right. And what you guys do is you build the equipment. Right. Yeah. So we, we're one of the industry leaders um, for manufacturing the equipment. And really more than that, I mean, supply and education and support, you know, for the whole industry as a whole. I, I guess you could probably say we're kind of one of the earlier pioneers in trash can cleaning in the United States. Um, and then we did start the first one ever in the San Antonio market, the first service. So That's awesome. And, and how many services are there here in our market now? 
Yeah. Oh, I don't know exactly how many there are. Yeah, probably a handful. Um, there's three or four that we've helped start here in the San Antonio market for sure. A few that have been around a few years now and a few that are new. So, so um, tell us, what is the business actually? What is the service? So the service is, is essentially a mobile truck that comes to your house or your business, and you put your curbside trash cans out. And after they've been emptied by the waste hauler, they clean them, sanitize them, make them smell great, and then you roll them back to your garage. Like Just like you were saying, I mean, um, in the summertime right now, it's 110 degrees in San Antonio, and whatever residual stuff comes out of a trash bag just sits there Ugh, and just grows and grows so and grows. Gross. And basically that's just eliminated so that people can put their cans wherever they want to, really, around their home. But, you know, in, in HOA-style communities in San Antonio, it's usually somebody's garage. Mm-hmm. And they've got their gym in there. They've got you know their kids' stuff in there. They just don't want that to come in their house and attract flies, bugs, whatever. So, And how yeah. often do you guys do this service? Um, most people provide the service somewhere between once a month, once a quarter. Uh, there are one-time options. I mean, every business that does this is going to kind of develop their own model on what works, right? I mean, we've got a customer in Austin that does it on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. That was wow. something that was um, a newer model, and I thought, well, that's a little different. We'll see how that works. And <laughs> they've done so well, they've already gotten a second truck from us in less than a year, you know? So I would think that would work in a commercial area. Yeah, you know, on a commercial, a commercial trash cans and dumpsters, I mean, they get used a lot harder i guess you'd say mm-hmm. than, yeah. than, a, than a residential trash so you guys cans. do those big ones as well yeah so i mean we can uh we can build equipment that does that but you know our standard truck has a vacuum recovery system on it that can be used to clean out commercial dumpsters i mean when we were running the service in san antonio we got asked to do you know uh food processing places um yep health clinics i mean all kinds of different things that and you just have to make a decision on what you want to kind of get into don't get into and whether it fits your route you know I, i'd say most of the people coming into the business though are kind of focused on that residential uh can cleaning service because there's I mean, millions of trash cans in the San Antonio area, you know, and there's there's nobody doing this. Well, I say nobody. There's a handful of people doing this. Right, right. So the business market is wide open. It's wide open. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the the actual process a little bit. So when when you guys, something hooks onto the cans, it puts them inside the truck. Right. And then the the cleaning happens there. So there's no water and bacteria and all this other stuff, spillage happening all over the street or anything? Yeah, basically, yeah. So there's a hydraulic arm that grabs the trash can, flips it up over top of a specialty nozzle and cleans the inside of the trash can there's a pressure washing wand on the on the truck that you can clean the outside of the trash can with or, or do really anything else you need to do um cleaning related with that wand that maybe the, the, the specialty nozzle can't reach um this is a heated system so you're using um you know water heated close to 200 degrees a lot of times to sanitize and, and strip out what kind of whatever nastiness is inside those right <laughs> and then the truck essentially is collecting all that wastewater and it's separating the you know the residual trash that's in the bottom of the can from the from the water uh, so it gives us a disposable product, right, that we can get rid of fairly easily, or the hauler can get rid of fairly easily. Um, and then you just kind of go house to house to house and do that. And, you know, it's one of those pretty n- nice businesses where, I mean, you can read our reviews where people are like, I would have been doing this 20 years ago yeah. if, I, if I knew about it. Or I would have existed. too. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, it's a uh, great business. Yeah, and so it's just continued to grow. I mean, every day this business is growing right now. So what, what do you guys do with the water and everything that's captured in the truck? I mean, do you dump it? Is it recycled? What, what yeah, so there's, I mean, there's options um, within the market. You know, on our equipment, we just try to basically separate. We start with clean. We want to clean with fresh water so that we are basically providing a chemical-free wash, right? I mean, so it's a high-pressure, heated wash system, and then we capture the dirty water. And that dirty water, like I said, is in a typically in a wastewater form that can be you know put down um, specialty disposals, you know, it's nothing, nothing, um, no, that, it's not toxic or no, anything, right? No, I mean, it's regular not, wastewater. Yeah. Typically it's going to be in the same realm of it's like a car wash wastewater mm-hmm. or like an RV wastewater or something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and what are we talking about cost wise here? Um, on average, that's what I'm curious yeah, about. Yeah. 
So I'd say most people across the country are charging probably somewhere between twenty and forty dollars uh, on a monthly service. Quarterly is probably a little bit more than that. Um, and if you wanted one time, you know, we typically encourage our service providers, the guys that are buying the trucks from us and starting the business, to, to charge more on their one times because we do want to drive people into a reoccurring mm-hmm. model. People may not even realize they want a reoccurring model, but once they get on it, I mean, they just don't stop. I mean, it's it's a ninety plus percent retention rate on, on uh, customer retention. Yeah, because who wants a nasty trash can right, in their exactly. garage all the time? I mean, you clean everything else in your house, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everything, your toilet, but you don't clean your trash can, you pull that in your garage. So right. this is like that solution. Well, yeah. and I've tried cleaning mine myself, too, a couple right. of times, and it's just disgusting, and it never gets it clean, ever. <laughs> yeah. I even bleached it once. It's so awkward. It and then where's all that bleach going, right? Exactly. Going exactly. That's what I was so thinking is, when I was doing it. This is it. a much better environmental process mm-hmm. than that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that mean you're going to call one of his companies and get yeah. that service? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're all about business on this right? show. Right, we I'll are. Say. Cool. All right. So if uh, folks want to get in touch with you to uh, learn more about this business model, because, I mean, even I'm like, hey, this is a pretty cool business <laughs> idea, right? right. Uh, how would they do that? Well, we've got a couple options. I mean, you can go to our website, fill out the form on the thetrashcancleaners.com. Um, there's a form there that, that you can complete. And it's like a, uh, we call it a free business consultation. It'll send people um, that are interested in starting the business, a bunch of information about the business. You can always call me uh, or one of my salespeople. Phone number is 210-971-4980. Um, we also run the largest Facebook group in the world for trash and cleaning services. There's a couple of them out there, but ours is about 4,000 members um, growing every single day. And not all those people are actually you know, people cleaning, but there's tons of people in there from across the country, whether they have equipment for me or not, that are um, providing support and education and, and examples. And, you know, every time somebody makes a great post, whether it's maintenance related or a case study or a, a marketing strategy, you know, I mark those things up um, so that people can, can find those topics more easily. That's yeah, I awesome. can see this ending up. And you said one of the folks that that built that you built for, the equipment for, they actually started the first franchise. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if they're the, truly the first, but they're, there's only a few. But they're very – I mean, I would call them one of the first for sure. Um, one of my guys in uh, – in Utah, actually, just started one of the first, one of the first uh, franchise models in the United States. And we've Super we've cool. built several trucks for him for his franchises already. And so you've got a couple options. If somebody wants to start this business, if they, if they want a, uh, an established brand and they want some extra, you know, marketing support, they could go with that franchise model, or they could call me directly and say, "Hey, I want to start my own brand with my own name, and we'll build them a truck or a trailer, um, and we'll brand it. You know, we'll help them brand it, and we'll provide you know whatever training content and support that that we can as well." Um, so it's kind of like a, what we provide is kind of like a franchise, but I'm not taking any extra royalties or anything down the road. I'm just hoping they come back and continue to grow their business. Right. Which a lot of them do. To build mm-hmm. the trucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's thetrashcancleaners.com. Dot com. Correct? Yep. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate that. Excellent chat. And for you entrepreneur types out there, I would say get in touch with yeah. them quickly and uh, figure out a business model that'll work for you. That's great. All right. Let's wrap up the show. Quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video version of the show anytime by visiting homebuyertalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. Thanks for coming in, guys. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you on the next one.